Welcome back to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday morning. It's time for the one and the only Andrew Dambina for this week's Artsing Around. Wow, I yeah. love the new percussion <laughs> theme tune for Artsing Around Art History. Just for you, Anders. This is a six-part series where we're looking at different time periods and different uh, genres uh, in the art world because it's it's oftentimes, I think, in order to appreciate art, it's good to understand a little bit more about the history, about the people, and some of the different styles and techniques, which you very kindly uh breaking it down for us. (laughs) Yeah, well, I hope it is interesting. And sometimes people who have maybe a small interest or have heard or don't mind going to an art gallery now and then, um, they they might not be automatically familiar with this. So I'm, yep, hands down. I should actually say hands up. I'm one of them, you know. Why do they say hands down one of them? Should be putting my hand up. I don't know too much about it. You don't know. You're like, yeah, yeah don't ask sure. me. But talk about art, not about <laughs> okay. phrases, right? right? <laughs> I'm going to talk about something that fits in with what you just said, abstract art. So when you think of abstract art, what comes to mind? Oh, Picasso. Is he abstract? He's a, well, he's abstract to me. Okay. Okay. But uh, when it comes to abstract art, it's usually sculptures that's supposed to be a cow, but actually looks like you know, I don't know, a chicken to me or something. That's pretty <laughs> abstract. Or something that resembles, that's supposed to look like something, but actually looks nothing like it. Like I don't know, something that looks like a water bottle, but it's supposed to be a chimney. Or right. Like that. Yeah, right. That's pretty abstract. Okay. It can be. It can be a different perceived way of putting down a a reaction to looking at an object we're looking at a speaker now that I'm just pointing out an audio speaker and you could represent that in many ways you could break it down Picasso and others they did something called cubism was um, and they and they would make things into uh, lines and planes and really break it down that way and also Picasso did the eyes differently as well they would be vertical rather than horizontal and then the nose would be completely slanted yeah it that- was his it was it was his perception what he was doing was trying to challenge the conformity not just to be different but 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 he wanted to go against the traditions that were making everything representational and it's funny maybe you'd think in a way that more art might be like that since we've had the uh, the ease of photography being in our lives because frankly you could be put off doing things in a very realistic way when photography and even more so now decades and decades after Picasso is has you know long passed away that that you, that you can put filters and you can really manipulate things d- digitally so but we are not talking about Picasso because uh, we we're going more more abstract sometimes abstract paintings or sculptures are not based on anything sometimes they can be other times they can be uh, just totally from imagination. Automatic drawing or automatic uh, sculpting means that you can do a squiggle. And I can see as I'm talking to Noreen that she's oh she's done a she's done a kind of a portrait here, listeners. The eyes and the nose are in the right place, but then you go halfway down the face, and I think I'm looking at lips on the side of the face uh, she's pointing that's at me you, oh it's because, me because it's, it's like you're saying like like that's you that is you, you obviously know that side when you're talking into the mic <laughs> yes. oh right okay i am yeah. I'm, 
actually I'm doing a kind of side-on uh, bit of bit of microphone talking because I'm also looking at. I'm a picture of you for the Facebook page. Yeah. I'm also, yeah, I'm also kind of looking at the paintings on a tablet as we speak. So I want to mention then that abstract art came from artists who always started off doing very conventional paintings. I'm, I'm showing a painting of a landscape by who, someone who is now arguably considered the first ever abstract painter. She was... Um, a female painter in a world that was dominated by male artists and her name was Hilma Clint and it's called Late Summer. It's a nice landscape. It's from, uh, it's from Sweden where she was. It's kind of not too bright because I guess the skies are not always bright over there and she has been really, really credited as a kind of off-the-radar first person to really get going with abstract art. And, you know, I mentioned just briefly that automatic drawing or painting, it means when you do a form and then it's almost like something that kids might do for fun, you could say, but it is with a, 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 the intention of being triggered by a shape or some lines and then making your own composition from it. Oh, yeah, that's it. very abstract. Well, it is very abstract, but maybe... When I tell you the title, it will all make sense. We're looking at a black background with something that looks like coils of springs and then a circle, a, a, a many, many circles within one circle. Um, that's, that's, that's just one way of describing it. She calls it, called it, because she's no longer alive, Primordial Chaos Number 16. Now it's all making sense, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now you got it, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Number 16. I wonder what number 15 was like. Well, I haven't got any more from that series, but she was actually t thinking about things on a uh, universal level. She was influenced by planets. She was really interested in science. Uh, and she was interested in botanical I um, can see the studies. orbits there. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. very uh, yeah. orbity. Yes, and she loved botanical books. And um, in some of her paintings... Um, there were references to botanical, botanical illustration style with Roman numerals and dotted lines, uh, like a dissection of different flora and fauna. And she would put these into uh, paintings which were organic forms were around them and there were all of these interests that she had and she'd try and put them down in a way that to her made sense as a composition mm. on a painting and the painting that I'm showing you Noreen is quite large it's um it's very tall there's an exhibition on right now in the UK it's at one of the Tate galleries, either the modern or the Tate, the original Tate gallery of her up against a um, a Dutch a Dutch abstract painter who we're going to come to a bit later called Piet Mondrian, and so you'll see that this is also hers where she began to take swans and make them into something that's abstract. So she would take birds, put them in a formation with all of their beaks touching in the middle. There are four swans. It almost looks like a swanstika. <laughs> It does. <laughs> yeah, I've only I've only does. just thought of that as I'm looking at it, but but it's basically they they form almost like well it could be like the, the like rotor, a compass. yeah, a compass or a windmill, a windmill, it's, yes, and, and, and it takes a bit of working out and um, a, a little bit of working out to see that they're swans. Uh, she she abstracts this further 
and there's a painting that looks like really a bit like a target in some respects and this was her swan number 16. So the one with the four swans with their beaks touching is number seven, and then it gets abstracted further and further. So she really did push it. And this is what abstract painters did oh. to, to reduce it to its essential elements, the design that these swans make, rather than painting every feather and the beak and the actual um, way that they appear in a photograph. Yeah, wow, that's so, so so interesting. But sometimes the audience doesn't get it, and I don't know, do, do the artists have that in mind when they're creating, or it doesn't really matter? It's just what they want to create, and, and each audience or each viewer will just sort of take away what they want. Well, I think that some artists do just do it for themselves, uh, and this is sometimes called art for art's sake, and they aren't really thinking about what the people will get from it. And the people who are really just living for their art, they will be obsessed with something and they want to see through a progression. And they hope that if they're going to have a series, let's say, of things that look a bit like swans and they become less and less so, it could look quite interesting. I've seen some exhibitions where someone has, where artists have worked through ideas and you do see a progression. It's kind of interesting when you see a series to see how far they took it. And yeah. it's an experimentation. Would it, is this a type of abstract art then? If I say, if I draw, if, if I drew um, a bird, say swan, for example, mm -hmm. swans, for example, and then I zoomed in into just the neck, and then I zoomed into just the back of the neck with some of the feathers, and then I zoomed into one feather, and then I zoomed into one strand of the feather until I got into the micro... Is that abstract art, or is that just sort of it, micro... Um, it depends what you... No, I, I don't think it would be abstract. Abstract means to take away the sense of reality. And so if it really looks like a, 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 a detailed, a, a very sort of zoomed-in image of uh, of a feather or part of it you can't tell it's a feather maybe maybe it's just it looks like uh, maybe a, a snow like ski slope or something right you could yes right i understand i understand yeah. what you mean you could then yeah i mean so when it's a crop of something or or a, yeah, or a focus yes. yeah i mean you could then that you could say that's abstract um because it won't be instantly recognizable okay. as as what it is when you put when you put that on a wall or, or or show someone on your phone or whatever. Um, so another 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 painter um, from Russia was Wassily Kandinsky, and he is often credited as being the first abstract painter. But it, but but he came after um, Clint, whose work we saw before. Okay. Um, so and he started, and I'm I, I'm showing Noreen a picture. Not his first conventional landscapes because it would be we don't want to waste time with that. We saw. There is one of Clint, who she painted a Swedish landscape. So did Kandinsky, and so did many abstract artists at first. They did their training in conventional landscapes as we expect to see them. And then they took them off in a different direction. And in the case of Kandinsky, it was very, very bright, vibrant colours that he took. And through his course of his career from Russia, he went to live in Germany, and he studied, he, he hung out with uh, German abstract painters. And he loved to listen to music. Music. I was going to say, that looks like music. Yeah. I mean, there are even some strings. It looks yeah. almost like the, the fret or even almost a hand that's playing um, a bass or, or a guitar. Yeah. And there are elements that do look like Me either 
sheet music or the strings the of strings a, of a of string a, instrument. That's right. Yeah, and there's a rhythm, and he did deliberately listen to music while he was painting. <laughs> So, um, so, so he would be influenced by that. He went around different parts of Europe, as I mentioned, and he taught design and art in Germany. And his later paintings became more refined in some respects. They became, he really knew which elements he wanted to take from previous paintings that he'd done and that's more pastel really in cool. colour. Yeah. yeah, that's a really lovely, is it a painting then? That that's one? A, yeah. We're looking at a very large uh, oil painting, which is wider than it is tall. It's called, they sometimes have these quite irritating names composition nine is it it's it's irritating because you because you get no sense of what it was based on in terms of the 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 many different individual aspects or elements that he has drawn something looks like that looks ribbons like ribbons or something yeah and a, and a game like a chess or drafts oh, board yeah. and there are there are various different things uh which which you can't really it looks like really colorful writing paper it, well. it could be, it could be. He, he, he would love to be alive to hear you say that, Laurie. <laughs> yeah. no, no, it's such a cheerful... Yeah, yeah. No, but you're, you're, quite, you're quite right. I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah, I'm um, terrible. I, I realise I, I completely misunderstood what um, abstract art was. I'm so glad, you know, you, ah. you, you, you dissected it for, for, for me. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to show you um, some of the earlier... This is one of the last ones that we'll look at. Piet Mondrian, so that we're looking at a very vibrant, broken down uh, not not realistic in colour but you can see the proportions of a windmill he's from Holland and it looks like it could be something that's been uh, inspired by the time of day if it's the if there's a if there's a red bit of uh, sunrise or sunset it's called mill in sunlight and it's from 1908 and this was his first step in a direction which I'm going to swiftly uh, take us through which where he then from blocks of light in a, in a windmill and, and, and many other paintings that were other subjects, he then took abstraction to a very, very different level where it, what he was painting would be unrecognisable as being based on something else. Now, I'm showing Noreen one now, which is called Composition with Oval in Colour Planes 2. I've got to say, Anders, you know, uh, I'm sure a lot of, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to get flamed, but that looks like a lot of post-it notes stuck on each other. Mm. Um, it's still very colourful, but I, sometimes I think it's not as refined as, you know, some of the, uh, the pre maybe that's supposed to be the purpose of it, right? Well, yeah, I mean, the, 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 um, the marks, we can see a lot of brush marks there, and it's deliberately kept brushy and in american <laughs> in, 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 in american uh, abstract expressionism um which came in the 60s which we won't be covering they loved a bit of brush mark and when some people think about uh, about abstract art they think about very simple clean lines but sometimes it can be more expressive or have a mood because of the way that things are put down okay. like like deliberately um we're looking at some parts of this linear painting with a few different pastel colours on it and, and some of the black lines that are painted in oil paints have then been painted over with white but not completely so. On purpose? Yeah. I mean, I, but I, what I, is the meaning of it? That's the... Well, um, we, don't, we don't get any hints from the, from the name. To, uh, to me, it looks like a, a rather nice pastel Easter egg. <laughs> but it's uh, but 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 then that's typical. That's typical of people wanting to to like your post-it uh, thing too. It's like we as a viewer have to, or it's a, an interesting experiment for us to not necessarily 
associate it with anything yeah. and to just to, to look at it and let what is on the canvas or, or or if it's a sculpture speak for itself his later works that he's most famous for ended up looking very slickly done oil paintings and we're looking at something which is a lot of primary color uh, plus black and white squares and rectangles and it's called composition a 1923 and these are all over the world he's one of the most famous abstract uh, artist. I did say that I wouldn't have much more, but I wanted to take us very quickly to Jean Miro, who is a very famous Spanish. So, they, they, so, so from all over Europe, they came and, and, and Miro, there was a fantastic exhibition, which I think I may have mentioned. Oh no, we haven't done Artsing Around, but for, for, for a while with news, but, but there was one at the... Yes, you did mention it. Okay. Yeah. 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 At, at, the, at the Museum of Art, Jim Sarchoy. You did mention yeah. it. I, I, this, this shot, I took a snap with my phone where, the, where he did sculptures, uh, an abstract sculpture then, and we haven't really seen any yet as we've been speaking, Noreen, you and I, are, 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 can be based on things. Or in the case of Miro, who is cast in metal, taken from like a tin can of something, and then cast it to make basically an aesthetically pleasing shape in the same way that people have been doing since cave people's times um, or since they learned to carve wood from the Iron Age to shape something into something that they find aesthetically interesting or it could have a purpose. There's a rather sort of scary large painting that was in the Hong Kong exhibition as well that I'm just showing Noreen at the moment. I, w I wanted to get a passerby to show that how large some of these paintings were. Monochrome, a little bit cartoon-like in a scary way but there we go, a potted explanation of how abstract art came to be. Excellent. Andrew, thank you so much for your time today. I really learned a lot, and thank you so much for showing us so many of these weird and wonderful and beautiful abstract art. And I'll make sure that uh, we post them on the Facebook page so our listeners can check them out as well. Sounds great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank Bye you. for now. Bye.